This is the Sideline Slice, presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie, and Husker Radio Network analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Well, happy new year, everybody. Welcome into a 2024 edition, the first of 2024 edition of the Sideline Slice, presented by Valentino's Pizza. I'm Jessica Cootie, along with Jeremiah Searles. Buddy, it's been a minute. How you doing? Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, all the above. How was it? How were the holidays with the family? Yeah, no, they were really good. You know, we just spent time here at home. We did Thanksgiving at my parents' place out in Colorado. So we just stayed here. My mother-in-law, father-in-law, sister-in-law, who had the whole kit and caboodle, all the cousins over for New Year's, or excuse me, Christmas Eve. Went down, watched the Chiefs versus the Bengals game for New Year's Eve. Had a client again on the Bengals. Got to go down and watch him play. So it was really good. Kind of just low-key week and low-key couple of weeks there. And just getting back in the swing of things. Getting ready to hit travel season for me for the agent life. So good to take a deep breath here before we get rocking and rolling. Okay, at this point, as we quickly approach the playoffs, right now, who you got in the Super Bowl? Ooh, I think it's going to be a Ravens 49ers Super Bowl, if I had to oh, wow. put it in there. I think the Ravens are... Probably the best team in the NFL, and the Niners are a close second. The Eagles have imploded somehow, some way. <laughs> Don't know. They're way too talented to be playing that poorly. And then, you know, I think, like, the second best team in the AFC is, it's hard to say, maybe the Bills, but they might not even get to the playoffs. So it's just this crazy year in the NFL. It's been so much fun to follow and watch. All right. Well, it's been a minute. We haven't done a podcast since going into the Iowa game. So mm-hmm. wanted to talk about a number of different different topics. Of course, we got the uh, recruiting class with the mm. number one quarterback in the nation, Dylan Raiola, uh, some guys that are coming back, all kinds of things I wanted to get into with you. But I just think now that you've had some time to think on it and reflecting back, and even though you know, maybe some disappointing finishes. Overall, how did you feel like the the culture, the foundation was put in place for Matt Rule and the staff in year number one? Yeah, you know, looking back on it, and if you would have asked me a year ago, you know, how many wins does this football team have? I think I still would have said right around five, you know, because of what we knew was going to be a complete rebuild. And watching what Rule has done and what Rule has done to come in, and to get guys to buy in and to get guys to come in and trust in what he does, it was very apparent that everyone that showed up here wants to play for that guy. And everyone that was here has turned to switch into they are Matt Rule guys. And in an era in which you're seeing guys jump ship and leave and some guys can't leave programs fast enough, we're seeing the opposite. We're yeah. seeing guys that are like, I want to come back. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be here. I see where the vision, I see where this thing is going. And I, I want to be a part of that. And that just speaks volumes to who Matt Rule is as a person, who he is as a coach, as a leader. I mean, as a fo- everything. And I think that everyone's bought in. I'm very pleased with where we're at. Obviously, wins are the ultimate outcome and wins are the ultimate test of time of if things are working. Do we need to get some more of those in the W column? Absolutely. But Matt Rule's going to be the first one to tell you that. But I think the building blocks in which he's laid and the foundation in which has been poured into this program, I love the direction that we're going. Okay, got a couple for you. Give me your breakout player on offense and defense and your MVP on offense and defense. Let's start with the MVP defense because I think I know where you're going to go with this one. 
Yeah, you know, I think the MVP has got to be Nash Hutmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, Nash was such a difference maker. And when you can say that a defensive lineman, a nose guard in particular, was a difference maker for your football team, that speaks a ton. And I thought that he really had a very good year. He disrupted in the run game. He put pressure on the quarterback in the pass rush. I think he's primed for a breakout season. I heard a little birdie told me he may be wrestling this year, too like trying to lose a little bit of weight and get slimmer and faster and meaner and quicker. And I'm all about it. I'm all about it. And I mean, Nash for Heisman 2024. Let's, <laughs> let's just start the, let's just start the drum beat right now. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. MVP on offense. Oh boy. Um, gosh, they all got hurt. Uh, I think that for me, and this is going to be obviously a Homer take Bryce Benhart, mm-hmm. you know, I think a guy that we have of no, we've talked, have been critical of on this show, critical of in the media, a guy that we thought was going to play better, took a huge stride this year in the direction of his development. That's hats off to coach Donovan Rayola. That's hats off to Satterfield and him to just, and mostly to Bryce of putting the work in and becoming a very steady right tackle for this football team. And very excited to have him back. He played almost every snap this year, I believe. You know, he was steady Eddie from what I saw at the practice of not do. He really developed into a leadership role. So I think he's probably my MVP of the offense, honestly. All right. So give me your breakout player. Then let's start with the offense. Yeah, I think for me, the breakout player is probably going to be Jalen Lloyd. Yeah. You know, I think that's a guy that showed a lot of promise for us in a young receiving room and a receiving room that was completely beat up. I mean, Marcus Washington went down. Billy Kemp was knocked around a little bit. And, you know, he showed up in some big ways in the reverse game and some big down the field passes. And, you know, when you're a freshman that can run like that, you can't teach speed. Right. You can't coach it. It's speed is speed. I mean, and when you can coach routes and you can coach efficiency and movement and how to get in and out of breaks. And I think when you put some tools with that raw athleticism and raw speed that he has, I'm really I think he could be an emerging star in the wide receiver room in the Big Ten next year. Yeah, I had him one him and Emmett Johnson one A one B just because of what Emmett Johnson the the kind of load that he had to take on late in the season and and not playing much and and what he was thrown into and then how we saw him grow I think he could probably be in that conversation too right Yeah yeah I think yeah he's definitely one of the the like newcomer of the year you can almost say where he really was kind of a guy that was supposed to be playing a little bit here and there get some times in and then he became the bell cow there towards the end of the year and showed a lot of promise he's another guy I think if you get him in the weight room and get him with Corey Campbell get him to put another 10 pounds on 10, 15 pounds on. Then we're looking at a real physical runner with some good speed. He could become that bell cow back that Nebraska's always had. All right. How about your breakout on defense? You know, I went, you asked me this and I kind of went back and forth on this. You know, I really loved Cam Lenhart. Yeah. I think Cam Lenhart for me is a guy you talk about guys needing to get to the passer and in this league, being able to disrupt the passer, disrupt him on third down, getting to a guy's feet. And for years, we've just been watching the quarterback sit back to like a statue with nothing. And for a young player, again, kind of like Lloyd rushing off just pure athleticism, just pure speed and tenacity and want to, you start to give him some tools to develop and some pass rush moves and being able to read and key on, hey, if this tackle turns his hips, you get to this move. Or if you're running a stunt, make sure you push that extra step up to get him to turn before trying to go in the crease. And all those coaching things that just come with the development of being a young player, I really think he can become a pass rusher that maybe we don't have to blitz as much and play some coverage when we need to because we can rely on a guy like that to get home on a four-man rush or a three-man rush. Okay, for, for me, I have a different take on this one. I, I do like that one, but I think I'm going to go with Javen Wright, Buddha. Mm. And, and, you know, we saw him make some huge plays. And while he's been a part of the system, he's been around, he's played, 
you know, the type of plays that we saw him make, we, we hadn't seen him make those. And so I think he feels at home in the, in the spot where they've got him in. And he, he likes this defense. It fits his style. And, I mean, again, we, just, we saw him force some, some turnovers when this defense at times were not great at forcing turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was kind of a guy that, that forced a few key of, key of those turnovers. So I, he was the one that kind of jumped out to me other than Cam Linhart. Yeah, no, he had a phenomenal year as well. You know, another guy that I went back and forth on too, and he really didn't come on until later in the season was Jamari Butler. Yeah. You know, he's a guy that started really finding his own and rushing the passer and kind of moving around the field, lining up as a D tackle over the guard when he needed to rush. So he was another one. But yeah, Javon Wright too, he was a ball hawk there towards the end of the year. He got his hands on a lot of balls, couldn't quite finish the interceptions when he needed to at times, but then he was ripping the ball out. He was, he was always around the football. Right, always around the ball, hustling to the ball. So, yeah, he's going to be a really rising star for us as well. All right, so uh, I'm working here in, in chronological order uh, from things that happened first to, to most recent. Okay. Let's start with we hadn't chatted since Ty Robinson because I think we taped the podcast right before he had yep, announced right that he was announced. coming back. How huge is that to get not only Nash back, but now you got Ty back, that duo there on the defensive line? Yeah, and you talk about a guy like Ty who missed all of last season with a shoulder injury in last offseason. Yeah. Right, so he didn't really have a full offseason to prep and train in a spring ball. And so you talk about a guy now that had the opportunity to go to the NFL, probably had a chance to get drafted, was definitely going to be a PFA if he went late. But for a guy like that to say, I'm willing to forego going to the NFL this year because I want one more here, here and what's happening. Right, and that's what I alluded to at the beginning of the show. He's a guy that by every sense of the word, had every opportunity to be like, I'm going to the NFL, thanks for everything, I'm out of here. But he was like, nope, I, I see the vision, I want to come back. And when you can bring a leader like that back who played so many snaps this year and get him back on the field with Nash and bring a defensive back, and you know, no one's happier than Tony White to have his two inside guys back ready to rock and roll. So you get those two guys back, give them a full offseason with Corey Campbell. I'd, I can't wait to see what Tony White has those guys doing in the fall. Yeah, you know, to your point, when I spoke to Ty Robinson after that Iowa game, and, and obviously a heartbreaking loss, but... He was so convicted in the things he was saying about his belief in this program, but also believing that he still has room for improvement that he thinks this staff can get out of him, working with Terrence Knighton and and Tony White and just, again, the belief. And he feels a sense of responsibility to help finish what he started. And so I just I was really blown away by his take on everything and uh, just huge to get him back. And um, another guy that is great to be having back is Tony White. We were kind of Mm. a little bit nervous a little bit, right? But uh, Coach Roll locks him down and he gets a much-deserved raise. And I know Oscar Nation, but also these defensive players were – so stoked that he will be back oh my gosh I was so nervous he was gonna be (laughs) at USC I mean I just I was just I was just waiting for it to come across my Twitter clicker feed you know just like Tony White new defense quarter USC and just no right but I mean to have him back and I think Matt Rule obviously saw the value that he brought not just on the field but I think recruiting I think the leadership that he has and by no way do I think that he's going to be a defensive coordinator for many more years I think he's going to be that's a head coach right that is a head coach and what a what a gift for Matt Rule to have a guy like that on your staff that is going to be a head coach everyone knows he's going to be a head coach and yet he's there coaching with you man that's such a gift and I hope we can take some great advantage of having Tony White on this staff as long as we can Another guy that you could slide into that MVP race on the defense side of the ball is Isaac Gifford. And there were times that he was just all over the place uh, dominating on uh, for defense or for the black shirts. 
He's coming back. He announced in a video with Bryce Binhart. So how about those two pieces coming back too? That video was hysterical, by the way. It was just like they're sitting like the nap pod. Like, you come back? Uh, you come back? Yeah, let's come back. Um, those are not two guys that like, you really expect to do that kind of thing either. No. So they, it was hilarious. Yeah, Yeah, it was like, wait, the DB and the right tackle? What's <laughs> happening here, right? Like, I don't, I don't understand. You two shouldn't be friends, but you are, so okay. Um, but no, I mean, he was a guy that he was an eraser a lot. For the for us this year, right? We talk about an eraser on defense being a guy that can cover up some things if things don't go well. And in a Tony White scheme where you're blitzing everywhere and guys moving everywhere, things are going to happen. Some guy's going to fall through the crack or fall out of his gap. And I thought Gifford did a great job of cleaning up a lot of that stuff this year from that kind of rover position there in the middle that he plays. So really excited to have a guy back. And I mean, we talked about all these guys that were contributors last year, not just role players, contributors, starters to have another year in this system where this spring ball, they're not installing, right? right? They're not putting a whole new scheme. They're developing within the scheme and getting better and understanding the small little minute details within the scheme. And, you know, with all those guys coming back for one more year, it allows Tony white to dive even deeper into his bag of tricks and have even more stuff going on because he understands that everyone that's coming back, has that that base knowledge of what the base defense is, and now he's just going to be able to sprinkle in a ton more. And I think not even just the scheme on defense, but just overall how this program goes about its business leading into a season. So the mat drills that start in January, those are miserable. The team activities that they do that they all – brought up unsolicited almost every interview that I did about the, the closeness of this team and, and the things that went into the chemistry that was built and, and the buy-in that they built. I just mm -hmm. think even, you know, just going through all of that now and understanding what this coaching staff and Corey Campbell expects too also can pay dividends in, in addition to just knowing the scheme and, and working with Tony White for an extra year. Yeah, it goes across the board of you see everyone take huge jumps in year one to year two of a staff because, you know, when Corey Campbell, for example, he comes in year one, he has to teach the guys how he wants the weight room run, run how he wants certain lifts done, explain to them why the terminology is, why they do things. This year, there's none of that, right? Besides the freshmen that are coming in, everyone that's there understands the vision and they've seen what it can possibly bring in the fall. So there's no kind of tiptoeing around like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? It's buy in all in or get it the heck out of the way. And, you know, I think that that's going to be a huge piece of this offseason going forward where you heard all the guys talk about it last year, like it was this new great thing. But now it's no longer new. It's no longer a surprise. It's just all buy in and you'll get out of it what you put in it. Valentino's, a slice of home you just can't get anywhere else. What started with a treasured family recipe in Lincoln, Nebraska, has become a classic Italian tradition for 65 years. Well, another big move that was made was Coach Rule extended a Coach Raiola, um, Donovan Raiola, offensive line coach, and gave him an extension and a raise. And your thoughts on that and just, uh, again, him getting that this is before Dylan came back into the picture, but just, you know, the way that the offensive line progressed, the way that they bought in his recruiting ability, which we're going to get into some of the guys yeah. that he locked in to come here. So all those things is not just about coaching an offensive line anymore. It's about the guys that you can bring in to replenish that group, but just overall, just the job that he was able to do and, and his growth as a coach in year two, uh, your reaction when, when that came out, that news came out. No, I was really excited. You know, this offensive line made great strides this year, and I know it's not where we want it to be, and Rayola's the first one to tell you, you know, we've got a long way to go. But the only way you can continue to make really good quality strides is with consistency. 
right? And if you're bringing guys in and shuffling guys around and teaching new techniques and all that stuff over and over again, it's hard for young players to grow and hard for them to develop. And I think Matt Rule understands that better than most. And, you know, in today's age of college football, of guys are in and out in two or three years as coaches and positional coaches and all that, he understands that if he's here for the long haul and he signed a nine-year contract, he wants to surround himself with the right guys. And he doesn't want to shuffle guys in and out. He doesn't want guys around. So he had a lot of respect for what Riola did, not just on the field, but you're right. The college football game has changed. You have to be able to recruit, but you don't just have to recruit high school kids. You have to be able to keep your room. Right. You have to keep your room. And every O-lineman that I've talked to, and I know you every O-line you talk to, would kill for Coach Rayola. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, they would be like, yeah. oh, that guy, they murder him? Sure. <laughs> right? Like, I'll go kill him. We'll hide the body together. Right? And that's what you have to have in those type of rooms because if you don't, guys are hitting the transfer portal. Guys are moving. Guys are unhappy. Guys don't want to be here. And I think that speaks to Coach Rayola's his coaching style and also just the way that he loves on his guys and he cannot just recruit the high school kids and we'll get into the kind of who he recruited and a really good class he put together but the fact that he can keep his room as happy as they are and get the most out of them I think that's a big piece as to why coach rule wanted to keep him around you know what's crazy too and you and I've had this conversation a lot but now you're hearing these young freshmen I talked to I think four of them on signing day or leading up to signing day and all of them are saying the same things that you're hearing and just again that what sold them was when they came on their recruiting visit how close-knit that group was and how they were a family and they moved together and they felt like it was already home they were already part of the group and and really just going on and on about coach Riola and that relationship that he was able to build so now you're even hearing the guys that are just signing on that haven't even been in the room with him that are believing in the same things and and what they're seeing is selling them to want to come be a part of it yeah I mean listen college football is 90 percent brainwash right 90 percent like brainwash blank slate you come in and you buy into what we're doing and if you buy into what we're doing and you're all in and there's none of this division then we're going to have great success with it and then we can unbrainwash you as you go to the nfl right but that is what college football is and you see it with the great teams right look at the alabamas look at the michigans like those teams are so bought into what saban and what harbaugh and those guys are doing that nothing else in the outside world matters and so when you have that type of mentality because the culture is so bought in and everyone's so bought in, it's no longer like, oh, wow, look what's happening here. It's just like, this is what happens here. This is life. You either like it or you don't, but this is how we develop and this is how we work in this little ecosystem that is known as Husker football. All right, so then moving to the news that broke college football, social media, and uh, really set the set the fan bases on fire really across the country, but especially in Georgia <laughs> and here at Nebraska. Dylan Riola then comes back into the picture, and he's been a guy that his name has been mentioned. He's been here on visits. It's been he's been being recruited for a long time. The number one quarterback in the class. What was your take, your reaction on overall how it all unfolded and just seeing the reaction to it over the course of about a week? Yeah, you know, it, initially I was like, okay, is this a real account? Like, who's reporting this? <laughs> like, I can't, I can't allow myself to get back on this carousel, right? Like, because for so long it was just round and round and round we go, <laughs> right? Like, is he coming? Is he not? And eventually when he finally committed to Georgia, I felt like everyone could, like, get off and be like, okay, we're moving forward in the next direction. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, no, he's back. Like, no, for real, like, for real, real, he's back. As my son would say, for real life? Like, for real life? <laughs> like, yes, Oliver, for real life, Rayola is back in play. And to see it all kind of fold out and to see as we inch closer to signing day, be like, this is, 
this is going to happen, right? Like this is a real deal here. And when he finally committed and signed, it was just like, wow, Matt Rule must he must be able to just sweet talk the best of them and buy in again, that vision and everything. And just so excited for this program to get a momentum boost like that. You know, when you can sign a five-star recruit and you can get a, a blue chip recruit as they call them to come in, it can do wonders for you, not just in the football field, but in the recruiting world and the momentum of the team and morale and respect across the league, like, all those things fall into those things and fall into that category. And so when he committed here, I was through the moon, so excited, so pumped. And I knew that probably meant we were going to lose Purdy. And I knew that probably meant we were going to lose a couple guys in the transfer portal. But, you know, when you can come and have a guy walk in and go, I hope, and I look at this guy and go, that's our vision for the next three to four years of who can lead this program into where we want to go. I love the type of guy that that is. And you no know, reading up on Rayola and where he comes from, knowing obviously his dad's a Husker through and through. Like, that's the kind of guy you want leading your charge. Yeah, you know, I had said, I had I had not talked to him, but I had just seen his interactions on the sideline and, and seen him there. And I just, I told this to Greg when he kind of came back into the picture. I just felt like his heart was here. And then I interviewed him, and that was one of the things that he said. And then just wanting to be a part of it. And so then on top of his skill set, then you have a guy that has the deep connections and the deep love and mm -hmm. desire to want to be a part of this program, but then also to help be a part of the change. How big is that out of a, out of a young quarterback, too? Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show how deep the Husker roots run. I mean, I think I was thinking about it as I was watching it, like, and he was talking about, like, you know, I, I, my heart lives in Nebraska. And I think about it, it makes complete sense. I mean, my son, who's four and a half years old, is obsessed with the Huskers because it's all I watch. It's all I talk about. It's, it's, it's everything. And so it's no surprise that, I mean, Rayola grow, grew up around his dad, and that's what he talked about, and that's what they watched on Saturdays. And it does go deep. And so... When his heart was here, you know, I think all it took was a, some deep thinking and some talks with whoever was important in his life to understand that, you know, football is it's more about your legacy than a lot of things. And if you want to come build a legacy, what better place than come do at than where your dad played, where your family loves, where you know you can come and have success. And then I feel like Rayola was or uh, Coach Rule was the missing piece where, you know, he really was able to sit down with Rule and Rules to lay out his vision of what the next five years look like. And to be able to look a coach in the eye and trust that what he's telling you is the truth, I think that was probably the final straw that just was the most, the, the just pushover for him to be like, I want to be a Nebraska Cornhusker. Hey, I thought it was pretty funny. Your guy, Gabe Eichard, who played on the offensive line at Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and Teddy Lehman, the Buckus winner who played with Dominic in the NFL, they even talked about it on their OU Sooner podcast. And they were all for it. They were like, man, I hope he picks Nebraska. That'd be great. And so they were like rooting for him to come here. They're like, that awesome. would be like great news. So I think that's cool too. I mean, again, just a, you're talking about a story that literally took the nation by storm. Uh, have you seen much of his film? What, what do you see out of him? On yeah. Film? I mean, obviously you watch his high school tape and you're like, ah, oh, there's a man playing with boys. Like that makes a lot of sense. But you know, from watching his tape, the, the obvious is, you know, he, he's big, he's a big player, but his arm talent is really, really good. You know, when you talk about great NFL quarterbacks, everyone was talking about arm talent. And when you're watching the great college quarterbacks that get ready to go in the NFL, I think about Michael Penix Jr. Just watched him against uh, Texas the other night. Like, 
that's the arm talent where like he can deliver the ball he can very precise he can launch it a country mile if he needs to like obviously mechanics and stuff will clean up but it's hard to coach the arm talent in which you guys in which he has so you know the the tools are there the pieces are there from what we've heard about the guy the work ethic will be there and you can do a lot with that type of talent and we, we should also mention Daniel Kalen also signed another quarterback, stayed in Nebraska, mm-hmm. a Nebraska kid. He was a big part of helping recruit this class. The guys really, really like him. And, and you know, he's, look, he's coming in to compete for the job. And, and I think that's one thing. Yes, you've got a guy like Dylan Riola, and a lot of people want to just go ahead and crown him the starter. But it's going to be a battle not only with those two guys, but with whatever quarterbacks are, are in that room come spring football come fall football I, I don't think it's one of those things that this staff is just going to say hey it's yours you, you got to come in and earn it right absolutely and we'll prove that time and time again this year where if you're the guy you're the guy and we will make sure that you play but nothing is given everything is earned and you know i, I give a lot of props to him for not hitting the eject button really he's like listen quarterbacks get hurt all the time quarterbacks transfer all the time i mean look this year we had sims we had harburg we had purdy like guys were shuffling out you look around the league quarterbacks are in and out constantly like there's no guarantees that anything's going to be the same in a year two years three years so i think he just wants to come in he wants to compete and you know it's not a bad thing to have multiple really good quarterbacks in your room because you're going to need them all at one point Absolutely. All right, let's get to the the bunch of offensive linemen that mm. they're bringing in. Uh, it was crazy because you and I did this signing show on 2021, and you were a little bit concerned that there weren't enough offensive irate. linemen. The word the word was irate. <laughs> it, it was not concerned. I was <laughs> trying irate. to be nice, but but you know you were you were concerned that there weren't enough bodies. Uh, so just to get the number first of all, mm-hmm. the number of offensive linemen that they're bringing in in this freshman class, how critical is that? Yeah, we talk about it all the time. The offensive line, you have to build from within, right? You cannot, you can go out and get a wide receiver and a quarterback and, and a D end and, and those type of positions in the transfer portal and have them come in and be immediate impact players. The great teams develop and build their offensive lines from recruiting, get them in-house and develop them from day one until they walk out of those doors. And you can only do that if you have quality bodies coming in to day one. And to have the type of I mean, number one offensive lineman out of Iowa coming to Huskers, <laughs> suck it, Iowa, <laughs> right? Like those type of things where you can have those type of players coming into your program. And I can remember when I came in, and I hate being this guy. I came in in 20, 2009, and there was a solid core of us, of myself, Brent Qualley, Nick Ash, Jess Coffey, Spencer Long, and Cole Penzik, and Andrew Rodriguez. And we all came in together and we ended up being the leaders of our team by our senior year because we had been together for so long and been through so much. The, the offensive line is by no doubt the leader of this team. So you can bring a good group of guys in and keep that group together and have them trouble or weather the storms and go through the trouble and go through the trials all together. And then by the time they're seniors, you're looking at three or four of them that are starters, maybe one that's a top draft pick. And you're like, man, that's the group we want to drive this team and drive it going. That not just leads towards football wins, it leads towards recruiting, right? When I came here, I was like, I want to go somewhere that's going to develop me into an offensive lineman that's going to go in the NFL. Like, well, look who's in front of you. There's Matt Slauson. There's Ricky Henry, right? There's uh, Lydon Murtha, all these dudes that have developed and went to the NFL. That all starts with bringing quality guys in on the front. So, so excited for that group. Great job by Coach Rayola, and I can't wait to see the development of that young, talented uh, I mean- offensive line class. 
I was going to ask you, how much does it warm your heart that the number one recruit in the state of Iowa is an offensive lineman and he's coming <laughs> to Nebraska? It makes me so happy. <laughs> I mean, to watch Iowa not score a point, and we don't have to hate on them too much, but it's fun just a little bit. To watch them not be able to score a point for like the last three games and then everyone in Iowa still be like, we love Brian Ferentz. Like, do ya? Do ya? But yeah, love it. Love, love that. Anytime we can steal someone from Iowa and bring them onto the dark or to the light side, I'm all about it. <laughs> Overall, just, and again, you and I have talked about this too, and it's it's hard to judge some of these high school kids on tape, and mm-hmm. we'll see what they do when they get here, and, and they've got to come in and grow and develop. But overall, a yeah, pretty solid class, right? What do you think of the class that Coach Roll brought in? Yeah, great class. You know, you look at when you start talking five-star, four-star, three-star, like those are the ones you want to build your, your, your building blocks on. And, you know, it's hard for me nowadays to be really excited about a class until a couple of years in just with the transfer portal and with the way the guys move and go in, in, in between. But, you know, for Matt Rule having his first year here, having a five-win season and to be able to land some of the bigger-time recruits that he did, Hats off to the 1890 initiative. Got to just give them a little love. You know, the NIL is part of this world now. So giving the hats off to them and hats off to Matt Rule for making it work in today's era of college football. Very excited for the class. You know, the couple of things that they had talked about was locking up the state of Nebraska, which they did. They got, I mean, all of the top recruits almost out of the state of Nebraska, the number one recruit. But then um, also those legacies. And you look at all those guys that have had ties i mean marquise buford who we are a huge fan of here on on the huskers radio network his brother's coming in and mario and just quinn clark who was fantastic his dad ken clark and then caleb benning just it goes on and on just the legacies that are coming in and uh, you know that that's pretty special too to get to follow in the footsteps of of your dad and play wear that same jersey and that in on the helmet yeah, yeah. I just hope they keep that legacy thing going here in about 14 years. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's the hope and the dream there. Oh, that's awesome. All right, what have we missed? What have we not talked about? You know, I think fall was winter workouts, right? Winter workouts are getting started here. Spring ball, I think, is in like eight weeks. So, I mean, it's going to be here before we know it. You know, it, it goes fast. It goes quick. But, you know, I'm excited to see. You know, the sad thing is I don't know if we have a ton of guys to talk draft-wise this year, which is sad. You know, that's not something that you, you, you'd wish that you had some more NFL prospects. But the time will come. The time will come where this team's going to be pumping dudes into the NFL draft. I have no doubt. Listen, I think it's a couple of weeks, though, before they really hit the weight room full go. But what, what's the feeling, the emotion of going into that, knowing how hard it's going to be? But also probably feeling a little bit excited about pushing yourself and getting better, but really probably some dread, too, right? No, see, I love this time of you year. You did. This was my, oh, it was my favorite. You know, football season is so stressful and so draining. You know, with the practices and the lifting and then the games and you're in school and, and all this stuff, when you can just like fully 100% commit to f- just working out and giving that your all, knowing that you don't have a game to prepare for on Saturday or, hey, I got to make sure I can get through practice tomorrow because my ankle's taped up for six ways from Sunday or whatever it might be. It's one of my favorites because you grow a ton as an individual, but you also you're just hanging out with the boys. Like you're just hanging out with the boys, pumping weight, listening to loud music, ripping pre-workout. Like it's the best time of your life. Like there's nothing better to do. And then on the weekends you go hang out with them, play Halo or do whatever the kids do nowadays and hang out. Like I loved winter workouts. Winter workouts were some of my favorite times of year. Oh, wow. That's crazy. All right. Well, I guess I will do it. I had a thought right there as we were just thinking, maybe we could do another like O-line special coming up if, if people want to hear it. I know we had a couple of comments mm-hmm, on the last mm-hmm. one that we did of, of some questions. So maybe we can um, put that out there. If people want to hear it and, and dive into the, the mind of an offensive lineman. We could do that again. 
You, I Let's know you, do you're it. always you know I mean? for that, Obviously. right? Obviously. Yeah, that's that you don't even have to ask. Just <laughs> tell me when. Just tell me when and I'm there. All right. Well, I know it's about to be a crazy time for you. Best of luck. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. And please stop rubbing in the picks in my face. Mm, we'll see. We got to do one more here. But, I mean, this last bowl game week was not good for not old Not good for me. I did not close not out the season on a high good. note. I not tanked good. at the end. That's all right. <laughs> that's all right. right. You're well, going for first-round pick next year. You're going for the top pick. Right, I'm going back for the crown. because I, I Two-time crown, I'm going back for it. I, mm. I had to hand it over to Greg this year. All right, for Jeremiah Searles, I'm Jessica Cootie. This has been the Sideline Slice presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers.